0: are your personal needs getting met and not yeah. not necessarily from a, a place of selfishness but if it's not being met then the opposite side of it is going to be that resentment that sadness that depression and and then yeah. the communication sure. breaks down
1: welcome to satori primes have it all podcast where you get your fix of personal development without any of that fluff a podcast dedicated to the unending quest of self discovery and remembrance You'll discover new breakthrough thinking and feeling technology that will cause shifts in all areas of your life, your finances, your body, relationships, and most importantly, your mind. You'll uncover your truest self and for probably the first time in your life, feel 100% worthy of having it all. It's time to stop talking and fantasizing about your dream life and start living it. So get ready to have your mind expanded in the best way possible. Now fair warning, if you implement what you learn here, your life will never, ever be the same. So are you ready to have it all? Let's go. All
0: right, everybody. Welcome back to uh, the Have It All podcast here with Guy Ferdman I have a very very special guest, Petrina Wisdom. Uh, she describes herself as an author, a speaker, and a movement leader, which I'm sure we're going to get into all of it. Uh, I'll let you introduce yourself in just a second, but I want to let you guys know what our, how this came about. Is I actually went to an event a few weeks back here in San Diego, and they had a, a panelist of all sorts of different entrepreneurs and ranging with certainly different levels of success, however you choose to measure that. And of course, there's all these uh, very impressive people who've made a lot of money in their lives. And um, and then Petrina starts speaking. And from like the moment she says hello, there is a clear distinction between her and everyone else who looks a little bit sleepy in the room. She stands up. She's big and vibrant, as you can see, and <laughs> just has this beautiful smile and just starts telling this incredible story about her life. And that's what really um, drew me to her. So Katrina, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you.
2: Thank you. Yeah. It's so funny how spirits, like, connect, even if you don't have an opportunity to speak or meet in that moment, because I noticed you in the audience <laughs> talk to that guy, and then <laughs> we end up getting connected. So I'm grateful to be here.
0: Literally to that guy. And and the funniest part is I go home, and I, I you know, uh, Mandy, uh, my girlfriend, asked me about the event. I, I'm like, it was okay. It was about, I'm like, there's this one woman, though, that really made an impression on me. She goes, really? Why? I said, I don't know. We didn't even talk. She just had this way about her. I said, her name is Petrina. And she's like, Petrina? She goes, I know Petrina. I'm like, really? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I know her. And I guess you guys used to spend quite a bit of time together.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah so actually, fun fact, Mandy helped me write my TED
3: Talk.
0: Right, right, yeah. right. So funny. And then, uh, so I'm, of course it like keeps unraveling as these things do from there. So Mandy ended up connecting us cause I left the event before I had a chance to take Patrina's info or say hello. So that happened. And then right after we booked this interview, it was either the day or two days after yes. a good friend of ours had his birthday party. He just turned 33 and Petrina walks in the door and in the five plus years of me living in San Diego, I'd never met Petrina once. And then here we are just like, you we've know. been
2: totally crossing
3: paths unbelievable
0: <laughs> so I'm gonna let you run with it just kind of give people an overview about yourself uh if you want to share that story you shared with us though, I thought that was absolutely spectacular so wherever you want to go
2: yeah so I'm gonna it, it's awesome to have a conversation my story is so vast that like literally <laughs> it's an hour but I definitely want to like have this exchange with you. But just to give your listeners, your audience, a little background on myself. Um, <laughs> wow, where to start? So <laughs> I
3: <Yeah.
2: laughs> we will go way back. Like, so I was, I'm the type of woman, this is just to give you a little background. I was born to a, a teen mom. I was born to a teen mom. I'm a, a ch- an only child. Um, And so I had to grow up very quickly. We moved around a lot, you know, weren't very stable. I was born in Las Vegas, raised in New York City. Believe that or not, yes, people are born in Las Vegas, one. (laughs) (laughs) Locate to New York City, right? So I've got a little East Coast, West Coast thing going Mm on. Anyway, I had a a pretty up and down um, childhood, right? But we always had love, which was important to me. So I think that's part of the reason why I'm such like a grounded individual is because I always very much felt loved, even when our financial situation was up and down. Um, But to make a long story short, I moved back to Las Vegas after living in New York City. Uh, When I was in New York City, I'm like a singer and an actress and I'm modeling and I'm doing all of these things and I'm going down that path. And my mom ends up falling into a depression. Mm. Fell into a depression. She felt like she needed to move back to Las Vegas for family, to be with family. So that's what we did. She wouldn't let me stay in New York City, which is where I wanted to be because I should have been on Broadway by now. But that's another point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> As far as I'm concerned, you're there every day.
2: Pretty much. I find other ways to perform. But so we end up going back to Las Vegas in, um, I think it was about 1990, like the year before I was going to graduate high school. Right. And um I'm the type of person, never planned on getting married, never planned on having kids. Like I was totally just entrepreneur, artist, travel the world, be a contribution, like that was my deal. And we moved back to freaking Las Vegas, okay? So first off, last year of high school, I went literally from performing arts school, you know, the fame school. Mm -hmm. I auditioned twice to get into that school. I finally get in. I'm there for a year and a half and my mom pulls me out. And I end up in Las Vegas at Sweet Valley High. Like literally, it's called Valley High School. (laughs) From the book, the cheerleaders and the jocks. Totally. So I'm totally feeling disoriented and out of place and I end up meeting this man <laughs> at 15 years old and completely falling in love with him. Love mm. it. For, right. I saw this man and I was like, that's going to be my husband. Well, wow. So yeah. And this is from a person who didn't really want that. So we end up being together multiple, I mean, just 20, 20 something years we were together. We were together 12 years before we even got married. Okay. And then we ended up having two children and creating this life that, I fell in love with, you know, the houses, the cars, the all this kind of stuff, everything but the white picket fence. Um, and I loved the life. I love what I became. I became the supporter. I became a mom. I became a wife, right? And I was still able, fortunately, because my husband was such an anchor, to be able to do my arts and to still be an entrepreneur, but with the safety of having that grounding. Right. And so we did that for a very long time. We built a successful financial business together. And then after 13 years of building that business together in January of of 2009, after the fall of the market, my husband had fallen into a depression. And, you know, he kind of went through dips of depression every year because I believe he kind of had too much of his identity wrapped up in his career and kind of how he showed up for people, but... This particular year was a little bit different. You know, we talked through things and I thought he was better. But then on January 6th of 2009, he woke up one morning, put on his suit and tie like he did every day. He gave me and at the time our three children a kiss goodbye, told us that he loved us and walked out the door knowing he was never coming home. Mm. So he went missing for 24 hours. And then the next morning I found out that he had committed suicide. Mm. And I also found out that I was pregnant with my fourth child on the same day. So it was quite devastating. (laughs) (laughs) Say the the least. Yeah, my whole world was just kind of, I was blindsided. Everything just completely changed overnight. And, you know, in that moment, a lot of women, we have two choices in that moment, either to play the victim, right, and crumble and like, oh, like. You know, life has ended and what am I going to do for me or the choice that I made, which was to become a victor over my situation and to make something really positive out of a horrible situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that became my mission. You know, in that moment, I just realized that there was a greater calling for my life. And I've been the girl who had always done everything right. I was the good girl. Right, I was the one who never wanted to make waves, never cause any problems, you know, and and I really, I guess, had defined myself in that way. I also never wanted to be seen, which is kind of hard when you're six foot tall with green eyes, black woman, blonde afro, right? <laughs> I worked my whole life to not mm. be seen and to just kind of. I was happy playing. The supporter and letting my husband be the one in the forefront, but it was very clear to me in that moment that it was time for me to step into the light and become the leader and show other women like, hey, it doesn't matter what you've been through um, and how horrible it is that you can overcome it and also thrive.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, had so that, you uh, had you been in um, like some kind of developmental work before those events happened, or did that path kind of start afterwards?
2: So it's interesting because. It, it's just so funny how there's certain defining moments in your life that bring think, bring clarity. Sure. I discovered personal development when I was like 10 years old because mm. I always had chaos in my life. And I grew up Christian and my mom was like very Christian in the church. I mean, like revivals, shut-ins, like you name it, right? Lived in the church sometimes. And I knew that that wasn't for me. But I also felt very connected to some sort of spirituality. I just couldn't articulate it or, or, you know, I didn't identify with anything in particular. So when I discovered personal development, one of my first personal development books was Louise Hayes' You Can Heal Your Life. Yep. And I was just like, and I became a personal development junkie, literally from 10 years old. So when this happened with my husband and I had that kind of revelation that I needed to you know, kind of be the example for what it looks like to get through this and to thrive. I started to pull from that. But like I said, I've always been about contribution as well. So I ended up starting a nonprofit first. Mm -hmm. I started a nonprofit that was actually meant to serve men. And it was to support the supporters, because they're the ones everyone else goes to, but then where do they go to for support? You know, my husband's only going to tell me so much because uh, I'm his wife I'm one of his responsibilities and so it was very clear to me that that men or leaders period right anyone in a leadership role that they needed a container to be able to go to and be vulnerable and be helped so i created this organization and that was great people started asking me to speak i was doing support groups and i'm doing healing through the arts and and it was like I came alive, even in the midst of this tragedy, like I felt so alive and vibrant and like, yes, I found my purpose. Mm. Challenge being it was a nonprofit. (laughs) And and, And I didn't know anything about nonprofits. So, you know, if I had to do it over again, and I had a little experience, and I knew what I was doing, and it was based on business and passion, that might be great. But at the time I was leading with passion. I'm throwing hundreds of thousands of dollars that I, you know, got through life insurance money into this. this Yes, it was, I was self-sustaining the organization. It was, it was, it was not something I would do again the way that I did it, but I do not regret doing it. So from that, I started to be exposed to different people through being asked to speak and all of these things. And I ended up connecting with Lisa Nichols. Mm. I, I didn't know who she was. I had seen the secret multiple times, but didn't realize that she was this speaker and coach and all. And uh, I connected with her at a free event, very similar to the one that you saw me speak at. <laughs> And there was just something about her where I saw myself in her, and, and, and it was like, again, two souls that recognized each other. We were attracted, and she asked me if I wanted to go to lunch with her, so I did. She ends up gifting me a program, and the next thing you know, I'm like, holy crap, this personal development stuff is an actual business, and I can make money? Yep,
0: <laughs> yep, 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 very similar.
2: So I kind of just fell into this, you know, and then um, just the more as you know, the workshops and the, you know, you start hiring coaches and you start to learn the business side of everything. So there's been iterations because the first iteration of my coaching and speaking business was, I I called myself the fresh start specialist because Mm. that's what I specialized in was transition and helping people recreate their lives. And what happened I found is that in my healing process. So throughout that process, I was documenting everything and helping people along the way, which is how I have a product called the awakening life audio. And it's a 60 minute audio that explores awakening, self-esteem, awakening, true self and awakening, awakening creativity, which in my mind is the foundations for recreating anything. Um, so I created that product and, um, As I was going through the steps of my own recreation, I was documenting what worked and then putting it out to the world and sharing that with other women. So that that was very successful. But then I hit a wall at a certain point where I didn't feel like I wanted to do that deep healing um, reconstruction work anymore, if you will. Yep that's kind of the point where things started to shift for me. And I'm sure you can relate. I know you said you had a podcast before that was different. Sure. And you changed and healed and developed. That had
3: heal and developed.
0: Well, well, very similar in two veins. The first one, uh, Elon and I, who's my business partner, and my brother, uh, had been doing um, about 10 years of personal development work. And yeah. we coached people for free for years. Probably like seven of those years, I coached people for free never even considered that people got paid for it I it was just something that we did and then we got into the online marketing space I'm like wait people get paid for having these conversations and, yeah. and like well and for me you know to get on a phone call with somebody who would pay me $250 yeah. for that phone call for 60 minutes or 90 minutes I'm like maybe 25 50 bucks I'm like what would somebody throw at this so even that to me you know Getting to a place where you can consult at such a high level um, certainly was like that, and and yeah, uh, same same thing. Um, I think when you come from that superhero mentality, and, and certainly I could see why in the situation uh, you were in, right? Like we're, we're we're best at training and coaching that which we're going through. Um, if you're gonna fix and superhero, you end up finding finding a lot of victims, a lot of villains, stuff like that, and and I think look at consciousness has all sorts of levels to it. Uh, awareness has all sorts of levels to it and you get to a place where you just don't want to be having those maybe initial breakthrough conversations. That's like the heavy effort. Um, and not to say that it's, I'm not opposed to necessarily effort. I just want to take people who are now a little bit at a higher level, more like stick a rocket ship on their back than have to sit there and build the rocket ship. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I can totally understand that. So transitioning, out of that space, uh, was it like smooth transition to what you're doing now? Or was there a few other stages along the way?
2: No. So it's interesting. Cause the way my life works is I'm not one that goes, Oh, I want to do that.
3: Right. Let
2: plan. let me like plan this out. No, my world, the way my world works is that spirit completely rocks it and says, that's what you're about to go do. I know mm-hmm. you that, but you're doing that. And so that happened (laughs) again, (laughs) where spirit was like, okay, that we're going to create, like I said, the product, the awakening life product, but then also the book. Um, So at that point, spirit started nagging me to say this, because literally I feel like this tip, tap, tap, tip, tip. And it's like, okay, okay, I'll do it. But um, I started getting the, the, the the tap to write a book. Now, I never liked writing. I don't consider myself a writer. I don't even spell well. Like, my grammar probably stinks. No, it does. And <laughs> however, I'm very expressive, right? So I'm like, well, how's that gonna work? But anyway, I forgot about the how, and I was like, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, until the point where the I do it became, no, 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 you're gonna do it now. <laughs> so Spirit basically shook things up once again, And I said, okay. And I booked a flight to Costa Rica to write a book. Now, in my mind, this book was bringing completion to the Fresh Start Specialist. So it's like, I'm going to download all of this stuff about the recreation process into the book so I can reach more women and, you know, they still have that piece and then I can take them to the next level. So that was what I was feeling. So I went and I did that. The first week I was there, the book completely downloaded, um, but I still didn't have a title, right? And I had a lot of people around me telling me because of my journey, you know, you should serve women. Oh, you definitely need to serve moms, right? I've always served women, but moms specifically. Yep. And I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> Like, yep. what? I can't
1: even
2: relate to moms. What? I never wanted to be a mom, right? Yeah. Like, oh, And um, even though I feel like I'm a great mom, it's really funny how that works. But um, everyone was telling me that, specifically one of my good friends, Jolie Dawn, She was like, Katrina, like, you know, she drew it out for me. And she's like, look at this. Like, this is totally your market. But I was just very resistant for one reason or another. So I go all the way out to Costa Rica. I write this book. I download it. And then I'm just out and about. I spend the first week writing and the second week playing, because that's what I do. And um, I meet this gentleman named Guy. And Guy... um, he ends up, we have like a two hour conversation, most beautiful soul connected conversation. I'm telling him about the book and why I'm in Costa Rica. And he's like, Oh yeah. He's like, cause motherhood's not, I said, no, I was saying something and I said, yeah, cause motherhood's not for punks. And he was like, that's it. And I was like, what do you mean? That's it. He's like, that's your title. Right. I was like, not a motherhood book. It's for female entrepreneurs and people who've been through whatever. Um, so this is how the title of the book came about. And, and, mm. And this is really when I started to go, okay, okay, I get it. I'm supposed to be really out there um, serving moms. Those are my people. So I wrote the book. It came out, um, what, I think maybe two or three months later, because this gentleman guy ended up being a publisher, right?
0: Of of course, course. yeah.
2: Of course. And in the the whole strategy piece, because I just said yes to going to write the book. I didn't have a strategy for the book. And through our conversation, I found out that he did crowd publishing, which is where you, it's kind of like Kickstarter, but for books, Mm -hmm. and this whole community around books. So um, I ended up doing a, a crowd publishing campaign through his website called Publishizer. And it was the most brilliant thing I could have done because I engaged and enrolled the community into the project mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and financially. So when I actually released the book, uh, Mother's Day of 2015, Mm. it hit bestseller first day in one category, another category the next day, and then later that week, the third category. So it's just been this really interesting and awesome ride, you know, that was kind of for me, bringing completion, and just being able to deliver that part of my work in a new way that could be spread all over the world without me having to show up to do it um so that was that's been awesome
0: yeah i love everything about that i want to ask you um so something we talk about a lot with our students too is is that spirit aspect right that mm-hmm. like that that living life from the seat of intuition more than your opinions about it. i know jolie and and so i can i could totally see her sing in front of you with like that that big grin on her face and just getting really yeah. excited about it
2: posse and all the stuff she's doing now so yeah at, little cookie I was like I knew she was
0: gonna be a star <laughs> yeah, yeah it's funny because I met her I met her in 2013 when she was still like Misha and all, and all that stuff so we'll not get into that because that's a lot of backstory but um yes. so like you know I, I don't want to turn this into how to because there's no blueprint on how anybody follows spirit I'm always just vastly curious about you know what's what's like your experience of listening to that part where there may not be rationale and you're yeah. going to you're going to kind of throw a reason to the wind and be like, all right, well that, that hasn't really worked for me anyway, but you know, yeah. I'm going to listen to this, this feeling inside. And then yeah. just like, yeah, you know, obviously it's been a very expanded experience for you. Certainly more and more so in my life as well. Uh, I don't like to make decisions at all. I just kind of like wait for the next song to play and just see how much I want to get involved basically. So yeah, I would love to just get your um, your two cents on how that experience opens up for, for you, for people, for people you educate.
2: Yeah, so it's very interesting because when you're just single by yourself, it's a lot easier to just fly by the seat of your pants and make decisions and, you know, deal with that. I think one of the, the biggest, I won't say challenges because it's not a challenge. I think one of the what, part of my magic is that I still live in a way where I feel completely free and I am spirit led right? I'm still on purpose,
3: mm-hmm.
2: even with four children. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, yes. It's, I love the it's, it's very interesting. So I've been a single mom with four children as an, a full-time entrepreneur for 10 years. Unbelievable. And oh boy, let me tell you, we And um, I mean, there was even a point where, you know, because everything looks so pretty on Facebook and everybody's like, oh my God, you make this look so easy. And I I remember putting up posts like, this is not fucking easy. Okay. I might look real good doing it, but this is not easy. (laughs) So there's, to answer your question, there's a constant battle within me between knowing what I'm meant to be doing and logic, Mm -hmm. Like, Being completely in flow and connected with spirit and knowing what I'm meant to be doing and still having to like pay my overhead and, you know, take care of my kids and feed them and and also create a certain level of of security and safety that I didn't have as much as a child. I had the safety of knowing that I had a loving mother that would do anything for me, but I didn't necessarily have the safety of knowing where we're going to sleep at night (laughs) or what or if we were going to have power all the time, you know what I mean? So those sorts of things. So there's some very deep programming and stories around, you know, the need to feel safe, right? That, um, that uh, predictability. And at the same time, I'm such a free bird and I am spirit led and I have to listen to that. So when the two bump up against each other, I have to always choose spirit and figure out the rest of it later. You know, and I'm actually very much both. I'm very much in the spiritual, ethereal world, and I'm also a very grounded person. So it's very interesting. And this is actually how the Badass Bodacious Life movement came about. Because it's like, how can I be this complete, like, flowy, spiritual, fun-loving, free hippie? Because I really am that in my heart. And still be a very grounded, like, businesswoman, focused on, you know making and saving money and creating wealth. And, you know, sometimes those worlds don't come to, together well. So that's the iteration of life I'm in now, where I've been just the total free spirit. I've, I've, I've gone the other direction where I was strictly focused on the, you know, the business and the making money part and doing the practical things. And now the past probably, uh, probably year or so of my life has been about bringing, bringing together both right? Fully expressing and integrating all of it. Totally. And then work what I'm doing with women as well.
0: It does seem to be like the, um, the great integration of our time, like even spiritually Mm -hmm. speaking. Um, again, something we talk about a lot is like the, the difference between, um, maybe like a personal development or traditional personal development work, which has been so much about growing up. And then a little bit more of the Eastern classic, um, which is more waking up but the two worlds haven't really merged, so you end up having these really enlightened people who might have some really traditional views on like homosexuality or xenophobia, like some you know like racism kind of tied in there, and, and those things haven't just grown out of them. Um, and it and now you know I'm much more attracted to people who have that balance, like you do. Me as well. Uh, yeah, kind of like that That integration. Because for me, it's like, uh, yeah, I love that you're enlightened, but I don't love that you're completely unreliable <laughs> You know, and, and can't show up or can't produce. And it's like, you, until this world chooses to stop being a capitalistic, you know, money-driven world, it's still kind of a game we get to play um, unless we just choose to opt out of it. So for me, there, there's an aspect of centeredness in yeah. that uh, and not trying to be the escape artist all the time. Because mm-hmm. I, I spent many, many years doing this work Uh, attempting to escape, (laughs) like escape my body, escape reality, because it it seemed harsh versus I think kind of where you're probably at right now is really taking the angle on it more of that everything I thought was hard, I can
1: bring an ease and grace into it kind of, you
0: know.
1: Hello there. I want to ask you a quick question. Yes, you, our dear listener. Have you felt this desire to work with Guy and I and our Satori Pride family Have you kind of been on this outside looking in thinking, you know what, someday, one day, I'll be able to afford working with Guy and Elon? Well, listen closely, because today is that day. See, Guy and I have recently launched our latest coaching platform called The Collective. And in it, we get to personally coach people just like you on every area of life that matters most to you. So if you are, in fact, ready to live a life of having it all, this is an amazing first step. Oh, and I didn't mention the best part. It's just $99 per month. That's right, just $99 a month, and you get to learn and grow with Guy and I personally on live trainings. Stay as long as you want, leave whenever you want, just $99 a month. So if you're ready to go on an incredible journey with Guy and I and your fellow Satorian family, Simply go to satoriprime.com forward slash collective. Again, satoriprime.com forward slash collective and join us today. Enough of this one day, someday stuff. Today is your day. So it's really beautiful to actually
0: find more and more people who are embodying a little bit of, of column A and column B at the same time. I really, really appreciate that.
2: Yeah. And it's like I get to create the model and I get to create it. I do feel like there are some models out there for people who are maybe not in the parenthood space, but for parents and mothers specifically, we have a lot of guilt, like, you know, with children, we don't want to repeat patterns. We want better for our kids, all of these things. Um, and we still have to live. So I think probably at the core of my message in, in, in all things is the self-care and the self-worth and really being. Committed to your own happiness because we can't really serve anyone else without being happy ourselves, without feeling grounded and feeling completely fulfilled.
0: Yeah, I was reading the uh, conscious parent book. I can't remember her name right now. That Indian doctor, and I, I really enjoyed that. So let me ask you this because I brought up a, an interesting question in my mind. You know, parenting has, as far as I've been alive, has always talked about like it's a sacrifice. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, and that is going to create a certain kind of paradigm in how people approach, uh, both child rearing and, and a certain attachment to the child where it's like, you're, you know, you're kind of try, trying to drive the bus in a certain direction because your identity is now wrapped up in, in the children. Yes. So like from that place I'm, I'm, I'm contemplating right now, it's like, go okay, ahead. So what's the, what's the turn that we get to make where, um, you're more in partnership and less like sacrificing for the child constantly.
2: That's exactly what it is. So, the book that I wrote is Motherhood's Not for Punks. It's a guide to self mastery, mindful mothering, and having it all when you do it all. And really, if I had to break down what it is, it's a book that helps you to uh, unravel and take off your masks, right? All the different roles and expectations that we have uh, that we've been slaves, we've become slaves to. Um, and then really reconnecting with who we are as a person and what we want and how we want our children to see us, right? Because sometimes we go into the, the nurturing and the leading piece, but not leading from a place of, of authentic, authenticity, but leading from a place of what it's supposed to look like, right? Exactly what you're talking about. So part of that is being in partnership with your children. And the old school way was not being in partnership with your children. It's like, do as I say, not as I do, Uh, be seen, not heard, like all of these kinds of things and telling your children what to do, you know, and having the same rules and expectations for all of them. So really what I teach is, you know, again, being in partnership with your children, knowing who your children are, knowing all of them are going to be motivated differently. All of them need different things. Uh, And then just even little things like a lot of parents speak down to their children. So just little things like coming down and looking them in their eye and touch, just all these little things that make that connection um, stronger Mm -hmm. and really build a bond with each one of your children. And then not beating yourself up for doing it wrong, right? Because there's no wrong way to parent as long as everyone is getting their needs met, so it really is like a relationship. You have to be in relationship with yourself as a parent first, in relationship with your partner if you have one. Yep. And then the third is actually the relationship with the kids. And a lot of times, moms specifically will move the kid mother relationship up even be- above the relationship with themselves and with their partners. Yes. And so that- so
0: really awry. <laughs> yeah, I've I, I found that too. So uh, that's, I think this is awesome. Like I'm wondering in your coaching then when, when you're confronting with women stepping into their empowerment, they're kind of disassociating just from the mother role. They're really stepping back into purpose and power. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. I, that could create a... Uh, maybe in the short term, a strain on their relationship, right? Because like now, now suddenly the identity role is being changed very quickly. Um, yes. Whether whether the father or the husband wanted that uh, or didn't want, it didn't matter. There's like a certain rhythm to life. Suddenly that rhythm is changing in um, situations where that might come up and like the, the father or the husband's being confronted by like a woman claiming her power, which I could certainly see coming up. Yeah, i was just interested in any stories you might have about stuff like that and how you work through it.
2: So it's interesting because a lot of the women who come to me for coaching, they are having challenges in their relationships. They think the relationship with the children is fine. It's usually perfect actually in their eyes. Uh, it's really the, the challenge of being in the relationship or not being able to get into a relationship
3: because mm-hmm.
2: maybe being single parent, but being so caught up in their children. Um, and it's interesting because one of the things that I think I, I do well is that I can guide women on how to reclaim that relationship and own their power and own their voice, but in a way that's non-threatening to the to the partner. And I and I won't say man because some people are in relationship sure. relationship with women. So whoever the partner is, it has to be done in a way that's balancing that masculine and feminine energy. That's having empathy. That's being compassionate for also their experience in the relationship. And I think a lot of us specifically, we women, I don't know if men do this, but you know, men were attracted to us initially because we were a certain way. We were probably empowered, we probably had our voice, we were confident, we, we owned it, right? Like, and they were attracted to that. And then somehow when we get into the relationships, a lot of times things will change, they will shift, right? Uh, maybe it's because of kids, maybe it isn't, it could be anything. Um, so it's really about getting back to that powerful place and making that partner a part of the experience, right? Having those conversations, but in a way where both people are being heard because us speaking our truth then gives them permission to also speak their truth. And then what happens is just by each other kind of reowning and reclaiming and, and being more invested in creating that relationship, chemicals start to flow and things start to happen and it's like whoa it feels good down there (laughs) like right and then all the good stuff starts to happen Mm -hmm. but we have to awaken ourselves we have to fall back in love with ourselves in my book it's a motherhood book but i have a whole chapter about sacred masturbation like we've got to learn to pleasure and love ourselves before we can expect someone else to know how to pleasure and love us And so once we awaken that juju again, right, then we can then share that and invite our partners to be a part of it. So I don't know. It's just this interesting chemical reaction that happens when both people are like owning and claiming and speaking up and being true to themselves and, you know, and and especially when it's coming together for the common good of the children, if there are children.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And then look, coaching is a very subtle dance, right? Uh, a good a good coach has been dancing for a long time they also teach the other people that no one dances like me this is how i get this is how i get down this is how you get down and i mean then like you know the energy body type of way mm. yeah i think i think you know even now with like the me too movement and obviously there's like this world kind of struggling to find balance and in every movement you're going to have the little bit more radicalized ideas like you know some of it and, I, and i'm all for the women empowerment movement i'm in mean, like yeah. please hurry up, please, let's, let's have women be in positions of power, like all over the planet, that's a future that I'd much rather be part of. Um, however, at the, at the radicalized version of Me Too, there's a lot of vilification of the masculine energy, kind of like yeah. smashing it down, and this is wrong. At the same time, like, you know, what we all get to be responsible for is men do get to take responsibility for that we have been trained in traditional roles where women are like, uh, I don't want to say subservient, too strong of a word, but like, they're like the backup band. You know, they do the stuff that nobody gets to see, even though the man is where he is because the woman's standing there and empowering him. Certainly yeah. for me, I've always felt more confident with a woman by my side. I feel like uh, the be- the better version of myself uh, with, a, yeah. with a good woman by my side, I yeah. should say. So it's, it's kind of like everyone gets to own the traditional roles of how they saw a man, how they saw a woman. I don't think a new woman could step into this new vision of womanhood by still saying, um, honey, well, uh, you know, like you're you're the bearer of the financial burden of the house, which has to do with safety. While I'm like taking my power, they're 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 kind of like I'm not saying that that's wrong. It just needs to find a balance, and mm-hmm. and uh, I c- I'm concerned at times that, especially in like the greater media, how it's yeah. it's presented is actually very the ugly side of things. It's um, very,
2: it's yeah. very. So when women began to step up and own their power and want to become more empowered and want to be equals i believe my opinion i believe it went a little far <laughs> personally i'm like um can we come back a little bit yeah. like, can we bring that back i love being a woman i do want to be taken care of right so there's certain things there are certain repercussions that came with us you know wanting to be equal yeah. i don't Anyway, that's a whole other conversation, but there's a there's a point. Yeah, I want to be powerful I want to be empowered, but I really want to be in collaboration with my partner I don't feel like it should be that one is 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 higher or more powerful than the other I think both of them. I like being powerful in my femininity personally, right? Mm -hmm. I love powerful in my my femininity and um, I'm sure there's some men that would appreciate having having a woman be more self-sustaining and confident and independent while also softening into that feminine. So that really is the dance, right? Not getting too extreme when the female gets too extreme in her masculine or the male gets too extreme in his feminine, then there's, there isn't the polarity in the relationship. And I think that's a lot of what's going on right now is that men and women don't really understand how to recalibrate and get back to relating with each other in a way that is harmonious.
0: It's very true. Yeah, it's in a way we're struggling with our with traditional and classical identities. You know, Mm -hmm. women seem to want to be courted, and at the same time, a woman will then complain about how she never finds good men. And I'm like, well, when you're waiting for the man to walk up to you instead of walking up to the man and saying, "Hey, like I this is really great," but that's part of women empowerment too. It's like you know, you're finding your voice, you have that confidence. Yes, there's this classical you get courted and all that kind of stuff, but is that really what a woman is, or is that what we've been told? A woman is. And, and that's always seemed a little bit at odds to me with women who are like boss ladies, you know, and, and I don't even like that terminology to be yeah. honest. It makes me feel like you're like pummeling people. Um, yeah. I, you know, when I say like, I want women to step into areas of power, even now, like when you see a, when you see that politically speaking, or you see a woman take it into a corporate position, my concern is they still do it with their masculine energy.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. You and don't. Yeah. They
2: would work the feminine. It's actually mm-hmm. more powerful, right? Uh, but I think one of the, the deeper challenges is not even like, you know, who's, whose role is it to, to make the first move or anything like that? It's expectation. Totally. It's uncommunicated expectations, right? It's fine if I want to be courted, but I need to tell you that I need to be courted. You're not yes. a mind reader. I personally love chivalry. I do not love it when... You know, a gentleman doesn't open the door, you know, these kinds of things are very important to me. However, in this world where you have women that are like, nope, I got this. Don't touch it. I got, you know, you don't know. I can imagine for men, it's like, uh, what do I do? Like, how do I act? Mm -hmm. So, so I think we just have to really strengthen our communication and, and and if we do have certain expectations, be able to communicate those to the person. And, and I know I, for women, that's tough sometimes, especially if you're just meeting someone. And there, sure. it's the way we're communicating. You know, it doesn't have to be like, oh, well, this, 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 and that. And to me, that's the boss lady syndrome, mm-hmm. like laying down the law. And it's very, like, harsh and hardcore rather than being very feminine and playful about it. And, you know, oh, well, I would really love it. You know, it really makes me excited when a man opens the door or, you know, it's really more the delivery. So.
0: I totally agree. And I think it comes down to what you said, in, you know, what you've been talking about, what you said in your book, if you're not doing the deep inner work, then there's a lot of space for attachments and how things are supposed to be maybe having question or asked the, uh, the question as to so why am I doing what I'm doing? Uh, yeah. For instance, like I'm, I'm me and Mandy, are kind of going through like our engagement phase and this and that, you, you know, all that, that stuff going on. So you know as we hit those points of like different traditions yeah i love that we've like slowed down for every one of them and we'll like sit and have a real conversation about it and say hey look this is the way it's been done is that the way that we want it done is that really what speaks to our hearts is that going to make us feel add something to the relationship and that goes from like engagement rings and how we want ceremonies to be you know like the whole nine because there's so many things that has heard i have investigated them we could see why in traditional roles like the man starts resenting the woman or mm-hmm. the woman starts resenting the man yeah. and it's really subtle at first but you love this person so much that you're like ah, i'm just not going to pay attention to that i'm going to put that over here in the in this little box but it like it builds and it builds and and that initial foundation for communicating your needs yes. which can really only sp- be spoken from when you really have done the internal look right and you fill that cup and you know who you are and you could say, Hey, look, from an unattached place, but from a place where I get my needs fulfilled also. And and that honestly for me is the number one more important than the relationship and like the bond between the two people is like are your personal needs getting met? And not yeah. not necessarily from a, a place of selfishness, but if it's not being met, then the opposite side of it is gonna be that resentment, that sadness, that depression, and, and then yeah, the communication breaks down.
2: Yeah, you'll be reacting because when our needs don't get met, we have a certain reaction. A lot of times for myself, I'll speak for myself, it's shut down. If I don't feel like my needs are being met, then I shut down, right? Mm -hmm. And so that affects other things. So it is very important to always be asking yourself, you know, what is it it that I need? What is it that I want? And how can I feel full and loved? And I call it sacred self-care. And, and to me, sacred self-care is really treating yourself as if you are God, you are spirit, right? Caring for yourself in that way. So that way you can teach other people how to how to also do the same for you, right? And then it goes both ways. So also giving the space for the partner to be able to have their time for sacred self-care as well, whatever that looks like.
0: Yeah, it's so true. And, and I don't think most people again, uninvestigated would say, what do you mean you love yourself first in the relationship? Relationships have been designed for so long based around the idea of sacrifice. I sacrifice for my children. I sacrifice for my partner. And all to say, I got to give up parts of myself Mm. to be whole with another person. But it's like, how can you be whole if you're giving up parts of yourself?
2: (laughs) And then that also, a lot of times, and I, I talk about this with a lot of the women that I work with, a lot of times we have to check ourselves on why we're serving so much. Why are we over giving? Why are we over serving? And a lot of times at the bottom of it, it's fear, mm-hmm. it's control, right? And it's, it is getting a need met, but it's getting a need met in a negative way. It's like, well, if I give everything, then I will expect that I won't lose the love. Or if I give x y and z then they should give it back to me but we can't give from that place we have to give from just the overflow and from our own desires it makes us feel good to do it but without any expectation in return and so a lot of mothers fall into that trap as well yep. so like a book i created mommy archetypes and one of the archetypes was the martyr mom who well i do everything you know oh and i'm always here for you and i did this but it's right. because need, it becomes codependent because they need that connection. They need that energy and they need for, to feel like they're significant in your life. So, you know, you always have to be checking yourself on, on different, different things because sometimes something very healthy can turn into codependence or, um,
0: or control. Yeah. Uh, cl- classically the, they would call that like a merger compensation, mm-hmm. um, uh, pattern, but that's like, yeah, the, Absolutely, like the worrying mother, the one that sacrifices everything for her children, but then always feels like no one's ever giving her anything back in return. And right, and it's all done like there's the worry part that cares so much, and then there's just the resentment pieces that get built over time. Then you get a mother who's nagging, who's really just telling her children, "I love you, I love you, I love you," but the but the energy behind it is so you know naggy and annoying to the kids that they can't really receive the love. And again, I think this is why we have to be asking these questions. You know. And it's not necessarily what's right and what's wrong in society. It's just what's right. What's right for you.
2: For us. Yeah. Exactly. And I always, I'm driven by the idea of what example am I setting for my children, right? What example, I want to be the type of mom that they are inspired by and that they want to be like, mm-hmm. not where they're like, oh, I don't want to do that when I get older. Oh, I don't want to, you know, I want to be someone that they feel connected to and that they, like I said, that they're inspired by, yes, that, that looks good to me. That's where, that's the direction I want to move in. I used to always say, I want to be my kid's superhero. I don't want them to worship Beyonce or, you know, this person or that. (laughs) My mom's a freaking rock star. That's who I want to be like. Mm -hmm. I've always functioned from that place, even though I didn't know what it looked like. It was just a matter of kind of trying things, course correcting, not beating myself up about things if I did something that didn't have the result that I wanted, shifting as quickly as possible and keeping that communication with each child. It's just relationships.
0: So given that your, you know, life predictably is going to keep unfolding in this kind of rapid way, maybe turning another corner, I guess, let's say a few years from now. So I think two of your kids are either on their way out of the house or... Right. Yeah.
2: His, she's moved out. She moved out in January and now she's about to go work uh, in Ireland for a year. So she's going to be way gone. Yeah. And my second eldest, who's, so she's 22. My second eldest, who's 20, he's transitioning out of the house at the end of this month. And, right. not, by cho- and not by choice. Right. So he's getting the gentle push. With <laughs> his, but like, yeah, bye bye. And so, so I'll just have my two little ones at home.
0: So as a responsibility of motherhood cuz starts kind of decreasing right as they could become more self-sufficient.
2: That's the myth. No, they say it gets easier as the kids get older and I completely 100% disagree. Really? Get...
0: Tell me about that.
2: <laughs> well, because they're becoming adults, right? Okay. So it's like the whole process of motherhood, right? From birth till let's say 18, 20 years old. You're 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 molding them, you're shaping them, you're, you know, inputting data, right? Like if you will, you're programming this computer. And then when they actually leave the nest, now you get to see the results, the fruits right. of your paper. Like, hey, did I miss anything? Is there an area that, you know? And so it gets harder because um the children have grown up challenges. Uh and in certain ways, like they're still your baby. Uh, So there's the mental, there's the emotional, there's the spiritual, there's the financial needs that the grown children have that maybe the the younger ones don't. So at this point in my life where I have two and two, I feel like the younger ones are a lot easier. And I feel like because they are so easy, sometimes they get neglected, which was part of my uh, motivation to go ahead and push the older ones out of the nest because I started to know. I started to see some patterns of, uh, codependence where they were so used to mommy solving problems and being there as the safety net that they weren't, I was just noticing that they weren't able to make certain decisions. And that really worried me. I was Mm -hmm. like, Whoa, you know? So even when you feel like you're being a great parent, there's these mirrors, living mirrors that reflect things back to you that don't always feel good. You're like, Oh, okay. I thought I, (laughs) you know, Sure. so it gets very, when they're older, as well,
0: I think I think generationally things have changed. Right, we're much more in each other's lives today than we used to be. You know, a, a husband used to come home from work, wife would ask him about her, you know his day, but now it's like they're in communication throughout the day, even if he's in the workplace. The um, like communication patterns have changed. Same thing with kids; they might be out of the house, but because of social media or like texting, yeah. we're just like really intimately aware of what's happening in each other's lives. Like the generation before, you got out of the house, it's like done. We're good. Um, I want to br- bring something up interesting that that happened for me with my parents, which I think is a kind of a unique thing that happened. And something that my, my mom brings up consistently for for well over a decade now as one of her favorite days of her entire lives with me. <laughs> so we were in this, uh, we were in this personal development course. And I was maybe 21. I think my brother was 23. It was called wisdom course. It was 10 month long course. Uh, I was the youngest in there by about 14 years. And wow. it was just, yeah, I I, I had made, because they didn't let anyone in until you were 23 because um, biologically speaking, your brain's not fully formed till 23 and had these exceptions made anyway. During that program, I get kind of a really different peak on my parents, right? Like I'm out of the house now. And it occurs to me that when I, when I was born, there was no manual attached to me. Like there wasn't but- a, here's what guy likes. Here's what guy doesn't like. Here's when mom, motherhood starts. And here's when, you know, like motherhood's over. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I'm like, a parent actually doesn't know when to stop parenting. Like there's no yeah. guideline for this. And that hit me really hard. And I was like, holy shit. And, and I grew up in a family kind of similar to yours, not a lot of money, but heavy on love. So I never yeah. felt, I never felt a lack of something, even though that's still, we, we all get our little traumas along the way. Right. So mm-hmm we come out of this program and I sit my parents down with my brother and we basically tell them somewhere along the lines of this, we say, Hey, everything that's ever great that's happened in my life was cause I listened to you and all the crap that I dealt with that was really difficult for me is cause I didn't have the years to listen to. I'm like, you know what? My life is really fantastic. I want you to know Mm -hmm. you did a great job, but you don't Mm -hmm. like, it's like your job's over. Like go enjoy your life basically. Mm -hmm. And they It was like freedom unleashed for them. So we like never really got tucked in. But that day, my parents, I'm like 23, no, 21 years old. My parents come in, they're like tucking me into my bed. They're both crying. And so I didn't even know what that had done for my parents until about five or six years later, my dad was working in Vietnam for four years. My mom was living by herself. And in two thousand and eight same thing same thing like lost everything I was in commercial real estate, basically went back to zero you know so so little money, I had two cats I couldn't even afford to keep them like rehouse them the whole the whole thing. but I moved back in with my mom for a year and a half, and mm-hmm. that, that year and a half was the best year and a half ever. I was just so grateful the entire time, and something that hit me was I had a mother, I stopped having a parent, which is which enabled mm-hmm. me to enjoy my mom and for us to be together and explore each other newly in a way that I knew would have never happened, had that distinction always remained there as that parent part. Um, And it just, like, I moved out and I bawled my eyes out because I actually told my mom that she's the best roommate I will probably ever have in my entire life. Uh, And it's just this really beautiful, magical period uh, with my mom that I'll never forget.
2: Wow. Yeah, that's beautiful. And you're right. So I'm, I'm like you in the sense where I put my mother on notice when her <laughs> parent was complete, right? Like, I'm very independent. I moved out very early. Uh, and I'm, And for my two older children, they loved being at home. Like, literally, they would not have left. So <laughs> sometimes it's harder as a parent to have to initiate that transition, sure. you know, and... Sure. And so that's been kind of more my experience, but I've been on both sides. And I'm like, where did these children come from? Like, I was like, boom, out of here.
0: Yeah, <laughs> oh, you know. Different world today, different world today. I, I think we, you know, because we give them, the, you know, because children get a lot more empathetic support, they're not they're not looking to leave. It's a functioning relationship. It doesn't make them feel lesser or, I mean, you know, I'm sure there's some people that want to claim their independence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just a different space, different awareness for all of us. So I think it's great. You know, it's, it'll be fun to watch them now because it's like you really get to see what, you know, what all that did.
2: Oh yeah. I'm enjoying having my, watching my daughter develop and, and fly and I'm excited to see my son do the same. And I'm even more excited for the new transition in my life because I have my two little ones that I get to now pour into more, spend more time with. Right. And, um, and put that energy in. But I'm also excited because after 10 years of being a widow, I also have a partner now. So I had to kind of unravel <laughs> that whole I'm a single mom badge, right? Like speaking of titles and, and roles and masks. And, and so I'm kind of un, uncreating that now. And like, what does it look like to have this partner, but not be married? And I don't know, it's just so interesting. And I'm just recreating everything, you know, I'm recreating everything.
3: It's a lot of fun.
0: I love it. I I want to start wrapping up. I want to ask you this question. So, um, because your growth has happened so dramatically, right? Let's say in the last ten years or so, um, you have these <laughs> these four kids, but they're 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 kind of separated in terms of like you're in a really different place in your life between who raised the the first two and who's raising like the third and fourth. What would you say is the biggest difference now as a mom uh, between between the energy or whatever how you're approaching it?
2: so I think the second set are getting a, a much more empowered mom. Um, my first two, the when my husband was alive, it was a very structured household, almost militant, you yep. know, uh, not a lot of flow, very very uh, high, 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 super crazy um, expectations. So a lot of what I teach comes from a place of, like, I went from being the flowy, spiritual, free person to being in this relationship that had so much structure and being appreciative and grateful for this structure because it also allowed me to be free Mm -hmm. uh, to then that structure and that safety being ripped away and me, like, flailing out there like, ah, you know, I'm a free bird, but then having to find (laughs) yeah, this is what it's been like a roller coaster. then having to become my own grounding. Right. Uh, but not recreate the structure that didn't seem to work so well for the kids. It worked well for me and my husband. It didn't necessarily work so well for the kids, the amount of stress. And so, um, then being able to recreate this model within my home of the structure and the flow and seeing the results with those top two kids. So, um, I think the balance is what's the difference. The top two had to go through all of the experimental phases, right? Yep. They had to like go through the, oh, we're super high expectations. Oh, we get to be totally loose. Oh, now no. she's bringing it back. So they've had an interesting ride. Yeah. Whereas the little are getting to just um, benefit from the fruits of the experiments. And um, I'm excited to just be able to create that with them.
0: Amazing. Yeah, you're running a, a human split test. That's a book I would love to see. Um, the differences in child rearing between, you know, like a ten year difference of of inter- interpersonal growth, I think that would be a fascinating yeah. take on like the approach uh, over there my, versus the approach right now.
3: Yeah, the
2: elder kids are the case studies, so I get feedback from them. Okay, what worked? What would you have liked to see different? Right. You know,
0: please fill out this five minute survey and let me know how my motherhood's doing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Okay, amazing, Katrina. How do uh, people find you if they want to reach out to you?
2: Uh, Patrina Wisdom on all social media channels: Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, all of them. Twitter. Uh, you can also, you can actually, if you want to check out more about my book, you can go to patrinawisdom.com. That'll soon go back to being my my website. I'm building a new website, but for now, it's my book page. A lot of information there. And if you want to email me directly, I love to answer questions and connect with people you can email me patrina at patrina
0: fantastic and we'll make sure all that stuff is in the show notes as well all right my love so fun i'm happy we got to explore and find out a little bit more about
1: you and thanks for being on the podcast
2: yes thanks for having me see okay. you
0: soon bye everybody <laughs>
1: I really hope you enjoyed that awesome conversation as much as I did. And as always, thank you for your continued loyal support and your listening. Couple things if you haven't already done so, make sure you go to Facebook right now and request to join our amazing private group. It's called Personal Development Without the Fluff. It's a quickly growing community with some amazing souls and amazing support. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, I can promise you, you will absolutely love that group. That's where we make all of our exclusive content available as well as trainings that are just for the group accessible to you and your fellow Satorians. So make sure you request access to that group immediately. Also, if you haven't done so already, we've put together an incredible app. You can go to satoriprime.com forward slash app and get immediate access right now to a 10 part mindset reboot training. It is an eye-opening, mind-expanding experience that you do not want to miss. Well, until we meet again, have an amazing day, my friend. I look forward to personally connecting with you and seeing how Satori Prime can help you in achieving your dream life real soon. Have an amazing day.